this will be the final message on this book. This little book with a wealth of instruction for us. I guess next Thursday evening I'll start working on those Bible questions. All right, Jude. Let's start at verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some having compassion, have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to gather, assemble together tonight. Thank you for the opportunity we have to look into your word. I pray that you'd help us, encourage us, strengthen us, challenge us, and uh, help us to receive uh, the instruction tonight from your word that we might build ourselves in the most holy faith. Thank you again for your love for us and your provisions you've given us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as you read through biblical accounts and and look at life experiences, they 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 reveal to us the possibility of living faithfully or the possibility of falling away from the truth. You can see both of those in the Bible and in the real experiences of life. But God has made it possible for us to build our life to prevent us from falling. So the title of the message tonight is Building to Prevent Falling. Building to Prevent Falling. And, you know, it's evident from this passage, verse 20 in particular, that we are responsible for building our lives. It's our responsibility. That's why it's so important we teach our children to be responsible. Because we are responsible for our own actions, and we live, in a, we live in a world that does not want to take responsibility for their actions. They think they can live and do what they want and violate others' rights, and they don't have to pay the consequences. Um, but that's just not the way life is. No, we are responsible, and we are responsible for our own building. Now, we're talking about our spiritual well-being here. So, we'll notice three things, and I have quite a few sub-points under these three things. So, first thing is build yourself. Second thing is keep yourself. And then the third thing is claim for yourself. All right? So, first, first of all, build yourself. Verse 20 says, but ye beloved. Now, he's contrasting here with those that we've been talking about, the apostates, who are sensual. In other words, they, they, you know, again, it's not a word that means that necessarily they're immoral. It's just that they, they, they live after the things of the flesh. They live according to their own instincts, natural instincts. You know, there's many people that, that are sensual in that respect. They're not immoral, as we would think of immorality, but they just live with the flesh to please themselves. Uh, so it's contrasting that with, with saved people. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So we need to build ourselves. The word building here has the idea of to finish the structure. To finish the structure. 
uh, Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1 that we're to add to our faith. Now, if you're going to add to your faith, there has to be something to add to. Of course, if you think about finishing the structure, what is the start of any structure? The foundation. And, uh, and, and Paul tells us very clearly in 1 Corinthians this, other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So he's talking about building upon the foundation of Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about adding to our Christian experience after salvation. So we're to finish the structure. Uh, Peter tells us in, uh, it's Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5, uh, and of course, you know, verses 3 and 4 talk about the all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, the knowledge of Christ. And, and by these, we have great exceeding precious promises. And then it says, verse 5, Beside this, giving all diligence, add your faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, to patience, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall be neither barren, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So, and again, when he says add to your faith, the word add means to furnish besides, or to fully supply. So you're in a building program. Your life, God is comparing your life like a building program. How do we build? Well, there's two things here I want to notice. First of all, we're to build on the most holy faith, or build our most holy faith. The word most holy means most sacred, or that which needs to be most heeded. That would, so, so the idea here is that something you value above everything else in life. It's a most holy faith. It's something that should be valued, something for which we should take great care, give a much attention and emphasis to. You too often we emphasize the wrong things. We become worried with the physical things in life, and we they distract us from the spiritual things of life. Uh, there's Greek lexicon describes it as resting on your most holy faith as a foundation, making pro progress. Uh, so to rise like an edifice, higher and higher. You know, if you keep adding to a structure, it gets Bigger and more useful. It enlarges the use. You know, the, 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 you keep, if you keep adding to a structure, and that's the idea here of adding to, that's what Peter says, add to. If you keep adding to a structure, it, it, it becomes more useful. It enlarges the use of the structure. And again, the emphasis here is on the most holy faith. See, Modern Christendom, if I can use that word, has this idea if we enlarge ourselves, if we will just take and everybody that calls himself a Christian, then we are a much larger group and we have a much larger effect. The problem is that they've violated some clear principles of the scriptures in doing it and thus have rendered themselves ineffective. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This is what Paul is referring to when he wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And this is a passage which 
you know, the, 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 the kinds of people that I was just talking about despise. They don't like this passage. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 11 says, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open and your heart is enlarged. You are not straightened in us, but you are straightened in your own bowels. So they thought, they, you know, by compromising with the world, they would reach a greater number of people. And the church did grow. But it was full of carnal people. And it was in danger of destroying itself. And Paul had to write and correct them. You know, that's what 1 Corinthians is really all about. I'll see some of that a little bit later. But so they had straightened themselves. In other words, they've restricted. That word straightened means to restrict. He said, You're not straightened in us. You're straightened when you follow your own vials. Uh, your own feelings, your own emotions, your own natural desires. That's when you're straightened. That's when you're hindered. He says, Now for recompense in the same, I speak as unto you, as unto my children. Be also enlarged. And then he gives them some commands. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what right fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So, so we are to build, to build, you know, we are, let me say it this way. We are built as we saturate our minds with the word of God and obey it. So, you know, as we, as we take heed to the Word of God, as we value the Word of God and, and the, our most holy faith and give it emphasis above everything else, uh, God will build us. And, it, and it's not, there's no such thing as instant Christian maturity. It doesn't happen that way. You know, we live in an age where, well, you know, young people want, what mom and dad have at 45 and 50. And they're willing to borrow the money, max the credit cards to get it. Or, or they sacrifice uh, things that are precious to, to attain things that are not. Sometimes purity. You know, we have a society of people that think they can have instant access to all the privileges of life as kids without waiting. No, there's no such thing as instant Christian maturity. You know, I remember several years back, there was a couple uh, guy guy joined the church and, and uh, he, he wanted to be a deacon. He had no clue what it meant to be a deacon. He just wanted to be a deacon. I mean, he had that idea, I think, from the day he walked in the door when he wasn't even saved. See, there's no, no, it, it takes time. Just as, just as it takes time to grow up physically, it takes time to mature spiritually. But, again, it is a process, but, the, the, 
the speed of that process is often up to us. How much time? How much emphasis? How, we, how much we value the most holy faith? How precious it is to us. And so we are to add. We're to build on that most holy. We need to value it above everything else in life. Seek ye first, kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Secondly, we need to seek the Spirit's guidance. Notice he says in verse 20 again that we're to, we're to keep ourselves or build up yourselves on the most holy faith. And then it says praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. So we're to seek the Spirit's guidance. Now what does it mean to pray in the Holy Ghost? Well, you know, Charismatics will tell us that means you speak in some unknown language that, you know, some blah, 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 that you can't understand. No, that's not what it means. That's not what it means. That's not what it means to be praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, God has given us two means of divine intervention, you know, direction and help, for, for direction and help. One is the Word of God. You know, Psalm 119, 15, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and light unto the path. 130 says, The entrance of thy word giveth light, giveth understanding unto the simple. And I, we can look at many other verses. The second means is the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Same, same person. And the Bible tells us that if we're saved, that the Holy Spirit indwells us. Now go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8. You know, the Bible tells us that he indwells us and he also bears witness to us. Romans 8 9 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So every person who's ever been born again has the Spirit of God dwelling in them. If they don't have the Spirit of God, they're not saved. Now verse 16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So God's Spirit bears witness, or he testifies to us, in many ways, that we are his child. And I've had you know, some people come to me and troubled about whether they're saved or not. And one of the things, if you go to 1 John, he talks about uh, different things. You know, is there a love for the brethren? Is there a love for the word of God? Uh, are, are you convicted? Do you feel guilty when you do what's wrong? That's an indication. All those things. You know, the Spirit of God bears witness that we are the children of God. Uh, he ought to give us assurance as we read his word. But he also gives us direction. Notice verse 26 and 27. 26 and 27, it says, Likewise, still talking about, The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be, not, be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So he not only indwells us, he bears witness, but when it talks here about helpeth our infirmities and searcheth the hearts, knoweth what the mind of the, what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You know, I believe the idea here is the Holy Spirit gives us understanding, discernment for the right way, wisdom for decisions of life. Just you ever, you ever. You know, 
If you got some problem you're facing, you say, I just don't know what to do. Well, that's the time to start praying and asking God. And God, through his word, will give you, by his spirit, some understanding and direction. Go to 1 John chapter 1 John chapter 2. Now I think we'll see an illustration of this. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John 2 verse 18 says, Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Now, understand what he's saying here. You know, there are many, Paul, uh, or John said there's already many people that are antichrists, and some of them were in your church, but they're not anymore. They left you. Why? Because they were not of you. In other words, they weren't truly born again. But he said, you have an unction. From the Holy One. Now, that's not some fuzzy, funny feeling. That's just direction and understanding of the truth. Look at verse uh, 26. Again, and we're still talking about the same thing. These things have I written on you concerning them that seduce you. So, these antichrists were attempting, and others are, are there's always those that are going to attempt to seduce you. In other words, they're going to attempt to lead you astray. That's what, it is. That's what that means, to lead you astray. To seduce, to lead you astray. But, he says, the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. So he says, the anointing which you received of him abides in you. What is it that abides in us? What is it that dwells or indwells us? It's his spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit that indwells us gives us understanding and discernment. And many times, you know, you might hear something you say, wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. Or something in you tells you that that's not right. What that guy said is not right. See, the Holy Spirit gives us understanding, discernment for the right way, wisdom for decisions in life. And he says, you have the anointing. Now, again, understand when this was written... Of course, John sent this, but they didn't have, they didn't have the complete Bible all co you know, put together back then like we do today. So some of it was just what they'd heard. But he said, you know, the anointing, if you have the Spirit of God in there, the Spirit of God will lead you into what? All truth. So he'll never lead you to error. So if you're, if you're sensitive and submissive to God and his Holy Spirit, he will give you discernment and wisdom to detect those that are trying to seduce you. 
or lead you astray. You see, so we need to be praying in the Holy Ghost. Uh, look, again, Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. You know, John, when he wrote the book of Revelation, where was he? What was his, what was his uh, circumstances at the time he got this? This revelation or this understanding that came to him. Well, verse 9 says, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the hour that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard a voice. Heard behind me a great voice and as a trumpet. He was in the Spirit. So he was praying in the Spirit. He was seeking direction and and seeking the understanding and the things of God, and 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 he and and God gave him this this understanding. There's revelation. Now you're not going to get any revelations. The Bible's complete, so don't you know try to go there. But but uh, God does God through His Spirit. If we're sensitive, we're spending time in His Word. He'll bring things to your mind and help you to understand and help you to do the right thing in life. Now we know in the Old Testament the Spirit of God didn't indwell, but he came upon them. And I think Daniel was had the leading of the Spirit of God. And God gave him wisdom and discernment and understanding to choose a right way for the difficulties and circumstances he faced in life. So that's part of that's building yourself. Um the emphasis on the holy faith and, and, and praying or seeking the Spirit's guidance. Second, number two, we, you need to not only build yourself, but you need to keep yourself. To keep yourself. The word, verse 21 says, uh, keeping, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto uh, eternal life. So you need to keep yourself. The word keep means to guard or to prevent loss or injury. You know, we, be, we need to be constantly, the Bible tells us over and over, we need to be constantly on guard. Matthew 7.15, he said, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. But in over there are raving wolves. Uh, Luke 12.15, he said, Take heed and beware of covetousness. Philippians 2.3.2, 2, Beware of dogs. The word dogs there means men of impure minds. Often the word dog refers to a sodomite in the Bible. Um, so men of impure minds, beware of evil workers, those are the wicked and injurious, and beware of the concision, that refers to the circumcision, so that you might say they're the self-righteous. We beware of all those things, all those kinds of people. Uh, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. So following the, 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 the traditions of men or the rudiments, the worldly principles that have to do with this life and not after Christ. So over and over again, he tells us to beware. So we need to be on guard. Um, and we, 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 we keep ourselves, three, th three ways here. Number one, keep yourselves by anticipating the Lord's coming. Verse 20 again, 1 again, he says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. The word looking for means to receive to oneself, to expect. To embrace the hope of God and not repudiate it or turn away from it. In 1 John chapter 3, in verses 1 through 3, 
He says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So be looking for or anticipating the Lord's coming. It will keep you focused. That's what this is. It's a matter of focus. It's a matter of priority. Where or what is our heart set on? God or self? Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. So we're to keep our focus on the Lord's coming. You know, we're only here for a little while. And that's all eternity. So we need to keep our focus on eternity, to be anticipating the Lord's coming. You know, that's, that's, that was the characteristic of the church at Thessalonica. They said they turned from God to idols, to, uh, turned from idols to God to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. So that was their focus. Secondly, have genuine compassion for those in error or for the lost. Verse 22 says, And some, and of some, have compassion making a difference. Now, the word compassion means to, to succor the afflicted or to bring help to the to the wretched. But this verse doesn't mean what a lot of people think it think it means. The word making a difference. And I was surprised when I looked this up. In fact, I checked it several different ways. Strong's says to separate thoroughly. To withdraw from, oppose, discriminate, contend. You know, Jude already said that we're to earnestly contend for the faith. And this words, these words, making a difference, means to, to contend or to discern, to discriminate. And again, there's Greek lexicon, means to withdraw from one or desert him. Boy, that doesn't sound very compassionate, does it? Not to the modern mind. You see, it's not just enough just to have compassion. We must have compassion for what is right. What is right? You see, love is not genuine without the truth. You know, why did Jesus have compassion on the multitudes? At what was his compassion directed? Because they were hungry? No. No, it wasn't. In Mark chapter 6, verse 34, it says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep having not a shepherd. And he began to teach many things. You see, what took priority was the need of their soul and spirit, not their body. Not their body. Matthew 9, 36-38, again, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Therefore saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. 
You see, to have compassion without truth is what many parents do, enabling their children to continue in sin. You know, I thought of this. Did the prodigal's father have compassion for his son when he left? Or did he only have it when he returned? Of course he had compassion when he left. But you know what? The father never went bailing his son out of the hog pen. He left him suffer the consequences of his choices. He never bailed him out. See, it wasn't until his son repented and left the hog pen and came back to the father that he realized his father had compassion on him. He really did care about him, but he wasn't going to bail him out of the hog pen. He wasn't going to, you know. You see, does God have compassion for the lost? Will he then protect them from the consequences of their sin? No. It's their choice. It's our choice. If we want to go away from God, we have to suffer the consequences. It's not God's fault. And it's not that God doesn't have compassion. He does. But see, to have compassion, true compassion means we will give people the truth. Endeavor to bring them to the truth. Not just pat their back. Make them feel good where they are. You know, the best thing you can do sometimes is make them feel uncomfortable. So genuine compassion for those in error means that you tell them the truth. Speaking the truth, the Bible says speaking the truth in love in Hebrews or, um, Ephesians chapter 4. So, so we must have genuine compassion for those in error or lost, and we must work earnestly. Uh, verse 23 says, And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You know, the, the idea here is a zeal to witness the lost, knowing their end. Of course, it's pulling them out of the fire. It's referring to the fires of hell. They're in danger. The word pulling them, pulling there has the idea to seize, to pluck, take by force. We have an example of this in Zechariah 3, 1 through 4. It says, And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angels of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thy iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. So he says, you know, save with here, pull him out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. You know, we need to be earnestly trying to reach those that are in error. And as it were, pulling them out of the fire. This is how you keep yourself. This is how you keep yourself. You see, anticipating the Lord's coming, and really you could sum those last two points up as 
being a witness and endeavoring to reach others with the gospel that God has graciously given to you. And then the third thing, building yourself, we need to claim for yourself God's promises. Notice verse 24 and 25 again. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever and ever. Amen. So claim for yourself God's promises. He is able. You see, we need to rest in God's ability. He is able. See, he is able to keep us from falling. He has supplied us. We've just talked about him. He has supplied us with guards. Guards. Heavenly guards. To keep us from falling. From, to keep us from becoming like these apostates that Jude talks about. We have the word of God and we have the spirit of God direct us to walk within the safeguards in his kingdom. You know, and the church is a visible manifestation of the kingdom of God on earth. And if you live outside the guard house, you're open to the attacks of the wicked one. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I believe that's what Paul is referring to here in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. Of course, you know, this is he's referring to a man who has committed immorality, it was still in the church, and he tells them that he needs to put him out. Notice, notice verse 4 says, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Drop down to verse 12. For what have I to do judge those them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? So, you know, we're not to judge people outside the church, but we are to judge people in the church. That's what he's saying here. But them that are without, God judges. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. So that guy that's committing immorality in your church, you need to put him out. Vote him out. And notice it says, Deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So, so really, what we're seeing there in that chapter is they were protecting him from the judgment of God by keeping him in the church and not voting him out. There were, it's, it's evident that the church then is, a, is an umbrella of protection from Satan. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew 16, 18 that the gates of hell should not prevail against it? See, it's a place of protection from the onslaught of the evil one. Uh, Psalm 34, 7 says, the, the angel Lord campeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. So the church is a haven of protection. It's a safe haven of protection, a guardhouse to keep you from falling. Secondly, he says, 
God is able, not only is he able to keep us from falling, he is able to establish you, or we might say cause you to stand and be faithful. Notice uh, verse uh, 24 again. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. See, he can, he can uh, not only keep you from falling, he can present you faultless. Now, we know the, the full manifestation of that is, you know, we're in, we're in Christ. God doesn't see us as, as we really are. But, but the idea here is that, that God can establish you and cause you to be faithful. He is able. It isn't in us. Yeah, Paul told the church at Corinth, Beware, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. He said to them, what made you to differ from others? You know, they had boasted themselves in their knowledge and in their spiritual gifts, which they were. They had many spiritual gifts. They were a, they were a we would say, a talented church. Sorry, but talent doesn't make you spiritual. It doesn't make you spiritual. No. What makes you spiritual is you, you rest and trust and seek God who is able to keep you. It's God that keeps us. Not we ourselves. You know, 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 5. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again on the lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept, how? By the power of God, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So we are kept. You know, God is able to keep us if we'll stay within the guardhouse. He'll keep us. He'll cause you to stand. I mean, you might be as fearful and timid as a little, little pussycat. But God is able to make you stand. To give you courage. Give you boldness. Chapter 5, 1 Peter, 1 and 5, 1 Peter 5, uh, verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he care for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil has a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom to may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. See, God can establish you. He can strengthen you. Rest in him. Trust in him. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, By the grace of God, I am what I am. It wasn't old, mighty, stubborn, strong-willed Paul. No, it was the grace of God that gave him the boldness and the strength. It wasn't his physical size. They say Paul was a little man. So he was easily beaten up at riots. <laughs> yeah. um, no, 
So, so God is able to establish and cause you to stand. He also has the wisdom for life, for life's questions and life's challenges. He is the only wise God. Now, when it says only, it means only. The word is soul, S-O-L-E, single, alone. See, God's in a category by himself. Romans 16:27 to the only to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever amen. Uh 1 Timothy 1:17 now unto the king eternal immortal invisible the only wise God. See only God is wise. Solomon was only wise as God gave it to him. His wisdom wasn't from him, it was from God. So, so we need to, we need to claim the promises of God. Claim his ability. He is able to keep us from falling. So, if you refuse to hear the word of the Lord, you are without hope and without help. You're like the children of Israel that wandered in the desert until they all died. It's like a man lost in the wilderness, stumbling along with, without hope and without direction. But you know, God tells us we need to build up yourselves. Building to prevent you from falling. So build yourself, keep yourself, and claim for yourself the ability and the wisdom that God provides to keep us from falling. Might God help us to be faithful and keep us from falling until he comes for us or calls us home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the encouragement, the challenge that gives to us. Lord, I pray that you help us as your people to make it a priority, to set our focus upon that which is eternal and for lasting. So Lord, just pray that you help us to build up ourselves that we might that we might keep from falling, that you might present us faultless before your throne. So, Lord, just strengthen us and help us be faithful, we pray in Jesus' name.